It's a privilege to be here to worship the Lord tonight, and let us once again seek God in prayer, asking for his blessing upon his word. Lord, we come to you and thank you for this privilege of worshiping you in song and in prayer, as well as hearing your word read. And now we pray once again for your spirit to be with us in the separate uh, rooms in this building, this, this particular location, the fellowship hall, the gymnasium, here in this main auditorium, those who are at home watching online, we ask again for the presence and the power of your Holy Spirit, that he would take your truth and bring it home to every one of our consciences and hearts, that your word would sanctify your people, that your word would bring light and life salvation to sinners, that your word would glorify the Lord Jesus Christ in all that is said this very night. So please come to us as your creatures in all of our need. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We'll turn in your Bibles, please, to the book of James, the epistle of James. I have, one, on different occasions, had the opportunity here at Trinity to preach from portions of James' letter. I started at chapter 1, verse 1, and tonight this is the fourth message from James' epistle. And I will simply read James chapter 1, verse 12, just one verse this evening. James chapter 1 and verse 12. Blessed is the man that endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord promised to them that love him. So that is our text tonight, and I would like you to see four things from this verse, and they all relate to the persevering Christian That, in fact, is the title of my brief sermon tonight, The Persevering Christian. And tonight I'd like you to see from verse 12, first of all, the temptations of the persevering Christian. Secondly, the endurance of the persevering Christian. Thirdly, the blessedness of the persevering Christian. And fourthly, the reward of the persevering Christian. Those are our four points from verse 12. So first of all, the temptations of the persevering Christian. In verse 12, as in verse 2 of this chapter, chapter 1, James used a word which can be translated either temptation or trial. Your Bible may use the word trial in verse 12. It may use the word temptation. It can be translated either way. And we need to remember, as I've said on a previous occasion, that the Christian's trials can be occasions of temptation to sin. And the Christian's temptations are always a trial to his own soul. These trials and temptations are those varied and many difficulties in life 
that threaten our continuance in faithfulness to the Lord. They tempt us to depart from following Jesus Christ. Such trials as physical illnesses, the death of a loved one, financial problems, persecution from unbelievers, conflicts with other Christians, spiritual troubles and disappointments, all of these trials can be and often are temptations to the Christian to cease from following the Lord Jesus Christ as a disciple, to cease persevering in the Christian faith. In the midst of such trials, Christians can be tempted to despair and to ask, what is the use of following Jesus Christ? All I seem to be experiencing is one trouble after another, one difficulty after another, one discouragement after another. In addition to trials, however, the Christian is also assaulted by bold as well as subtle temptations, attacks upon his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, attacks upon his faith in the word of God itself. There are also manifold temptations for the believer, temptations to sin, temptations to steal, temptations to lie, temptations to covet, to hate, to be bitter, etc., all of which seek to derail the Christian from continuing to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Christians should not, in the light of James chapter 1 and verse 12 and many other passages in the Bible, Christians should not be surprised when they are assaulted by these very temptations. For there is an active devil... There is a vicious world. There is a deceitful heart that yet remains in the breast of every Christian. All of these purpose and endeavor to turn every professing Christian into an apostate. That's their goal. That is the goal. To turn every professing Christian into an apostate. As the Lord Jesus Christ himself was tempted by the devil to turn stones into bread, to jump from the pinnacle of the temple and kill himself, to bow down and worship Satan, to turn away from going to the cross, so we, his disciples, will be tempted to sin and to abandon the Lord Jesus Christ. A disciple, the Lord said when he was on earth, a disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his Lord. It is enough for the disciple that he be as his teacher and the servant as his Lord. Matthew chapter 10. So if the Lord Jesus Christ was tested and brought into trials, and tempted, and he was, we should not expect less as his disciples. And we must not be surprised by these realities when they come into our hearts and lives. We must not be taken off guard. We must understand that we must persevere through temptations. And that leads us to the second point from verse 12, the endurance of the persevering Christian. 
Every genuine Christian, according to verse 12, will endure temptations. That is, when he is confronted by temptations and trials, the Christian remains steadfast and unmovable as a Christian. This is not just grinning and bearing it. No, it is remaining steadfast and unmovable as a Christian in your faith in Jesus Christ, your faith in the infallible word of God. The Christian, you see, chooses to persevere through the difficulties, distresses, pressures, heartache, and suffering, which are always connected with temptations and trials. The Christian is going to persevere. He will choose, she will choose to persevere through it all and not sin. Such a Christian who perseveres does not want to flee in cowardice and fear as a deserter from the army of Jesus Christ. The true Christian will cling to Christ in the midst of temptations and trials, cling to his promises through thick and thin, as we say. The Christian will endure and not give up and will persevere in doing what is biblical and right, regardless of the severity of the trial or temptation, He will do, she will do what is biblical and right, regardless of the frequency of the temptations and trials which confront him. He will do, persevere, do what is biblical and right, regardless of personal emotions and feelings and distresses, which are always part and parcel of temptations and trials. The Christian will endure temptations. He will persevere doing what is biblical and right. But thirdly, notice from verse 12, the blessedness of the persevering Christian. Notice what James wrote there in verse 12. Blessed, blessed is the man that endures temptation. Now that's not what most of us would have written. We wouldn't have thought that, but that's what God inspired James to write. Many Christians do not view enduring temptation as something that is blessed. This is because they have a wrong and unbiblical understanding of what this word blessed means. Some people assert that the Christian's blessedness is equivalent to happiness. So if I'm not happy, then I'm not blessed. If I'm not joyous right now, I'm not blessed. You see, they have this idea that blessedness equals happiness. But that simplistic thinking is inaccurate because a Christian can be truly blessed by God and yet be presently experiencing deep trials, heartbreak, and numerous temptations assaulting him. And later in this very letter, James reminds us of Job, a man who experienced many trials and temptations and heartache, and yet he was blessed. That's what James wrote in James chapter 5. You don't need to turn there. In verse 11, James wrote, Behold, we call them blessed 
that endured. You have heard of the patience of Job. So Job, with all of his trials, you see, was blessed. So what is this blessedness? It is an experience of God's presence and faithfulness wrought by the Holy Spirit, growing out of and joined to the promises of Scripture. God's blessings are given to the Christian's heart and life, even in the midst of temptations and trials, as the Christian perseveres through them, continually clinging to Jesus Christ by faith. A sense of God's presence, his gracious presence, is a blessing indeed. Even though there is trials, trials all around you and temptations before you, when you know that God himself, the living God, the creator of the universe, the almighty one, the all-gracious one, is present with you in the midst of those trials and temptations, you are indeed blessed And there's often this heightened sense of God's presence, a communion with God through the word of God and through prayer. And that is a blessed reality in the midst of temptation and trial. However, when verse 12 is read carefully, it's very clear that James also wants us to understand that the Christian who endures temptations will find his supreme blessings in the age to come. Look at verse 12. Blessed is the man that endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he shall receive the crown of life. You see, there's this forward, upward looking by James in those words. The supreme blessing is in the age to come. Christians need to lift up their hearts and their eyes and look to the future by faith. Look beyond coronavirus and COVID-19. Look beyond all of the political unrest and shenanigans. Look beyond all of the trials financially. Look beyond all of the difficulties you're facing right now. Look beyond them to the future by faith and behold in heaven, according to the word of God, unnumbered, never-ending blessings, which you will receive on that day from your Savior. You will receive blessings unnumbered, never-ending, forevermore. And Peter wrote of this future blessedness in 1 Peter chapter 1. You don't need to turn there. He wrote, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy begat us again unto a living hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, unto an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fades not away, received in heaven, reserved in heaven for you. Reserved in heaven for you. The Christian's inheritance in heaven that you will one day receive as you endure temptations, as you persevere through them, your inheritance in heaven will never decay or perish. It will never become dirty or polluted. It will not fade 
or lose its glory with the passing of time. It is kept and guarded in heaven for you, the Christian, here on earth. And in order to receive all present and future blessings, every Christian must remain steadfast in the truth and persevere through manifold temptations and trials here and now. So that is what we are to understand from this verse this very night. But notice, fourthly, the reward of the persevering Christian. In one sense, I've already touched on that. But notice in verse 12 what James wrote. For when he has been approved, he shall receive the crown of life. The Christian who perseveres in his trust in the Lord Jesus Christ through this life of its, with its temptations and trials, he does not earn the reward. He hasn't worked for it. He doesn't merit it. The reward of which James speaks will be given to him because he did persevere. Without persevering, you will not receive this. But it will be given to the Christian by God as a matter of free, sovereign grace. We should always remember that. But notice the first aspect of this reward. James tells us the Christian's reward will include being approved by God. Imagine you, a Christian, but still a sinner, being approved by God. That will be a reward indeed. But notice, what does James mean by this? Well, money in the time of the apostles were coins. There was no paper money. And the value of a coin was determined by its weight because it was made from gold or silver, you see. So the weight mattered. Scoundrels and crooks would shave off the outer edges of coins in order to lessen their weight. So the coin might say 25, 25 drachma or whatever, but they'd shave off the outer edge of the coin to lessen its weight, and it really wasn't that value, you see. They were, there were also some honest money changers, however, and you might find that odd to believe, but it was true. There were some honest money changers who would test the coins which they received in order to determine if the coins were of full weight and value or not. And these upright money changers who tested the coins and only accepted genuine full-weighted coins they were termed dokimos, the Greek, dokimos, or approved. They were approved in the sight of men because they were tested in their business dealings and they were found to be true and faithful money changers. And this is the word which James used here to describe the Christian who perseveres through temptations, trusting in Christ to the end of his life. Such a Christian is dokimos. He has been tested and approved, not by a money changer, but by God himself, to be a genuine, full-weighted currency, as it were. 
He is the real deal. A persevering Christian in the sight of God, you see, is the real deal. He or she doesn't turn aside from following Christ. He is the real deal in the sight of God. And this approval by God is a blessed and gracious reward to the Christian. But secondly, the second aspect of the reward, notice from verse 12, the Christian's reward will include being given a crown, the crown of life. Every Christian who perseveres through temptations in this life is graciously rewarded, graciously rewarded, the crown of life. Now, the crown that James probably had in mind would not have been a golden crown studded with diamonds and rubies and emeralds. Rather, it would have been the laurel wreath, which was placed upon the head of the athlete who competed in a marathon race, who ran the race lawfully according to the rules of the competition, and who then finished the race. A marathon race, probably most of you know this, is just over 26 miles in length and is considered the most grueling of all such races. The Christian life, you see, is like a marathon race. The Christian life is a long race for the vast majority of Christians. Yes, sometimes God takes the life of a believer when he or she is only in their teens or twenties. But for the majority, we live longer than that. And so the Christian life is like a marathon race. It is a long race. It is a grueling race. It is a race in which the runner can be easily tempted to give up and to abandon the race entirely. I remember Pastor Chansky saying that he once ran a marathon race. He said it publicly. I think it was in Minnesota. Pastor Chansky was very much in shape. He had trained for that marathon race. And if my memory is correct, he said that he would never do another one again in his entire life because it was awful. It was grueling. And he found it very difficult to finish. And I'm sure the thought went through his mind more than once. I'll just give up. I'll just turn aside here. I have 10 more miles to go, five more miles to go. It doesn't really matter. But it does matter in the Christian race. You give up, you do not go to heaven. It does matter. And you must realize, I must realize, the Christian life is a long race. It is a grueling race. You can be tempted to turn aside. You can be tempted to give up. But for the Christian who perseveres, enduring temptations, who remains faithful to Jesus Christ, who does not give up, who continually trusts in Christ alone, through the lengthy, arduous race of this life, he or she is rewarded the crown of life. The laurel wreath is placed upon his or her head. And notice that James states <clears throat> that this reward is not simply a crown, 
but he calls it the crown of life. Literally, in the original language, he wrote, it is the crown which is life. We say the crown of life. It is the crown which is life. In Revelation 2.10, the risen Lord Jesus Christ spoke to suffering Christians who were being tempted and tested. Here I read the verse, Revelation 2.10, Fear not the things which you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to cast some of you into prison, that you may be tried, and you shall have tribulation ten days. Well, that's not a pretty picture. The risen, exalted Christ told his believing people of that reality. You're going to suffer. Men will cast you into prison, and behind their activity is the devil himself. You will be tested. You will be pressured. That's the whole idea. You'll be pressured to give up your faith in Christ. This will not be easy. But that is not all that we read in Revelation 2.10. The risen Lord continued. He exhorted them to persevere in their faith with this reward set before their minds and their hearts because the Lord continued in verse 10 of Revelation 2. Be faithful unto death and I, the risen Lord, will give you the crown of life. The same words you see. Think of that. When you are faithful unto death, enduring temptations, persevering to death, the living Lord Jesus Christ himself will give you the crown which is life. That is a reward indeed. But notice, thirdly, the Christian's reward will be given, as I've just said, it will be given to him by the Lord. He will do this. He has promised to do it. He does not lie. He cannot lie. The living God, who is infinite, eternal, unchangeable in his being, he will indeed give this crown of life to each of his disciples who persevere through this veil of tears this time of temptation and trial, and bring us to glory. God will graciously give this reward to all those who love him. Those who love him are always those who persevere in the Christian faith. So, by way of review, from verse 12, we've seen the temptations of the persevering Christian the endurance of the persevering Christian, the blessedness of the persevering Christian, and the reward of the persevering Christian. And now I would like to just bring home a few added lessons. God has manifold purposes in permitting and sovereignly bringing trials and temptations into your life as a Christian. Remember, God is not the author of sin. God does not tempt you to sin. God does not do that. But God is in sovereign control of all things, including the very trials and temptations that are in your life throughout your pilgrimage. 
And he has manifold purposes. And when we understand this, it helps us. It helps us to persevere. Temptations and trials expose and reveal. They do both. They expose and reveal the ugliness of the Christian's remaining corruption and sin. That's what they do. You don't need to give in to temptation to sin in order to understand this. You should resist all temptations to sin. But as the temptations come to you, and as the trials come, and as you see that remaining corruption in your heart, impatience, discontentment, pride, bitterness, sinful anger, lust, whatever those sins may be, you see they are used by God, the temptations and trials are used by God to expose and reveal the ugliness of the Christian's remaining corruptions and sins. And then those same temptations and trials are purposed by God to expose and reveal your natural helplessness. You are meant to see, understand, but also feel, experience the reality that I am helpless, separated from the power of the indwelling of Holy Spirit of God, separated from Jesus Christ, which the Christian is not separated, but apart from Christ and his power, the Holy Spirit's indwelling, in yourself, you are helpless before temptations and trials. And you are meant to understand that and feel that. Why? Because God purposes that you will be humbled by it all. And God purposes that you will then all the more understand and feel that you need, you need an omnipotent Savior, Jesus Christ the Lord. You see, sinners, when they don't see and feel the reality of their sin and guilt, they see no need for a Savior. You can talk to them all day long about all of the glories of Jesus Christ. God, of course, can use that. You should do that. But the point is, if they don't see and feel the reality of their sin and guilt and helplessness, they won't really see that they need a living Savior. And for the Christian, God uses trials and temptations to expose, to reveal your absolute need of an omnipotent and gracious Savior. And furthermore, temptations and trials are purposed by God to wean you from this world. Wean you from this world and increase your longing for heaven. We can thank God for the comforts of air conditioning here tonight. We can thank God for the comforts of this main auditorium. We should do that. But you see, when we experience temptations and trials, the Lord is using it to wean us from this world and to long to be in glory. Temptations and trials also do something else, purposed by God to do something else that is very, very encouraging 
and yet sobering. Because temptations and trials expose and reveal the sincere believer, that's very encouraging, and they also expose and reveal the hypocrite. Temptations and trials do both. And when you as a believer persevere through temptations and trials, you see, holding on to Jesus Christ. We sing in one of our hymns, when darkness, I'm not sure I'll get it right, when darkness veils your lovely face, I trust in unchanging grace. I'm sure I don't have that correct, but you probably know the hymn. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. You see, your salvation is not dependent upon yourself or your frame of heart and mind, your feelings and emotions, but upon the unchanging Jesus Christ, the living Savior. And so when you persevere through temptations and trials by the grace of God alone, you come through them and you realize, I am not a fake. I am, by the grace of God, a real believer. I trust in Jesus Christ, and I'm continuing to trust in him. And though darkness hides his lovely face, though I don't know my way forward in one sense, yet I know that he is faithful and true. I know that he is alive forevermore. I know that he will not abandon me. I know that he will not allow anyone to pluck me out of his hands. I know that he pleads for me even now in glory at the right hand of his Father. You see, the Christian persevering through temptations and trials, he ends up realizing that by the grace of God, he is the real deal, a real Christian. And that is used by God to further strengthen your faith in Jesus Christ and to not give up. But temptations and trials can also expose and reveal the hypocrite. Jesus spoke the parable of the soils, four kinds of soils, only one proved to be the one with the heart of good soil, proved to be a true disciple. One of those four soils was the seed that was sown on rocky soil. And Jesus said, the seed went into the soil, the rocky soil, it sprang up. But when the sun of affliction and trials and difficulties and temptations came, the plant withered away and brought no fruit. Initially, such a one, Jesus said, received the word with joy. Seemed very hopeful, very promising. But with some time and then afflictions and trials and troubles and temptations fell away proved to be no true disciple at all. That is meant to sober us and humble us and cause us to cry out and say, Lord, deliver me that I would never be such a one. I see within my heart my deceitful heart. 
the very seeds that could lead me that way. I could go that way. But I cry out to you that you would not let go of me and help me to not let go of you. And so I have a couple of questions in closing. Are you believing the promises of the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you believing the promises in the word of God? Notice what is said there in verse 12. Blessed is the man that endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord promised to them that love him. Are you believing? Are you believing the promises of God in the word of God? Sometimes we make that too complicated. You read the word of God, you hear the word of God, you say, I believe it's true. And when it says that Jesus Christ receives sinners, as you've heard from this very pulpit, even this night, even this day, that is the truth of God's word. You are to believe the promises of the word of God. You're not to wait. You're not to wait till you go home. You're to believe the promises right where you sit right now. Say, these promises are true, and I can make them true for myself by taking them to myself. That's what you are to do. My next question is, do you love the Lord Jesus Christ? Notice again verse 12. Blessed is the man that endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord promised to them that love him. Do you love the Lord Jesus Christ? Maybe your mind says, your heart says, not as I should. Probably true for all of us. But do you love the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not asking you, do you love, right now I'm not asking you, do you love his word? You should love his word. But I'm asking you, do you love the living, risen Lord Jesus Christ? You don't see him, but you can love him. And as you learn about him from the word of God, you can all the more love him. And if your love is small or your love is cold, you should say, Lord, you know I love you, but I ask you to increase and deepen and expand my love for you. And may I show it in a life of obedience to your word. And may I show it in loving the brethren who are all around me and in loving sinners as well. So do you love the Lord Jesus Christ? If not, do not leave this auditorium until you cry out to him and say, Lord, I don't love you, but I should love you. I don't know how to love you, but I ask you to change me, to show me myself, to show me my sins, that I would love you. Have mercy upon me. You can do that right where you're seated and cry out to the Lord Jesus Christ for such mercy. Well, may God bless his word to our hearts. Let's close in prayer. Lord, we draw near to you and we thank you for the various 
trials and temptations that are brought into our lives by your sovereign hand, we again confess we know you tempt no man, and you are not the author of sin, but we also know that you are in control of all things, and we thank you for the difficulties you bring into our lives, because they do indeed, by your grace, wean us from this world and this life, and give us longings for heaven, longings to be with our Savior, with you, the triune God. And we pray, Father, that you would give that gracious spirit to each one of your believing people, that we would all persevere through this life, through temptations and trials, trusting in Christ alone, never giving up, never turning aside, never saying, what's the point? What's What's it all worth? Lord, give to your people grace to persevere, to endure temptations all the way to their last breath on this earth. And come and sovereignly save lost sinners here this night. Work, O God, come and remove their hearts of stone and give hearts that beat with faith in Jesus Christ and increase our love for the Lord Jesus Christ every day. In his name we pray. Amen.